0: You are now listening to Someone Listening In, a podcast about the musical group Radiohead by Mike Driscoll and Matt Hoskins.
1: It's Someone Listening In, Charlie Brown, the only podcast about Radiohead. Welcome to another edition. We're coming off of Thanksgiving and into the Christmas season here. As always, I am your host, Matt Hoskins, joined by your other host, Mike Driscoll. Mike, give us a what, what uh what what is the question it's a tough one to answer what what is our episode going to be about today well who the heck knows who the heck cares is probably a better question who who why are we why are we doing all edit this out why are we doing this why are we still doing this this is
0: i can already tell this is going to be our worst one yet okay coming off of two great episodes going right into the shithole again
1: let me just snort a big old line of cocaine here, and then you will give me the pep I need to do this podcast. All right. All right. I'm good. I'm good. It's like what I imagine an anteater would sound like if it did a line of coke. <laughs> well, if an anteater has coke this good, I hope
0: he does. All right. And <laughs> oh, I'll edit back in. All he, all he says is, oh, "I'm I'm loving this. <laughs> doesn't even do anteater things anymore. I love and... this. <laughs> All
1: right, I'll let it back in now. So welcome to another week of someone listening in. Uh, No guest this week, the Mac and Mike
0: show once again. So hope you're ready for that. Which is fitting because I think we're two of the few people out there in the world who can talk about this current topic today. Yeah, I think so. Not that I think there aren't many other people out there, but this was was a new experience. Yeah. This can be a
1: kind of a Daily Mail episode, Daily Mail being our old segment where we uh, recap recent Radiohead news. Uh, so we're coming off of a very recent event we both attended uh, involving our boys, the Radiohead. Uh, so I'll, I'll just get right into it, I guess. Uh, this past week, had a couple weeks off work. The show I work on is on hiatus. So I visited Mike in good old Indianapolis. Uh and Mike, what video games did we
0: play while I was visiting you in
1: Indianapolis?
0: Uh we played Little Nightmares, uh mm-hmm. which you know, we have our we have some thoughts on that game. We won't go too much into it. It was a good game overall. It was a very fun aesthetic. Uh controls were a little wonky, but it's a good game. Agreed. Uh I played a little uh Diablo three uh <laughs> while Mac refused to play. <laughs> So that was uh, a failure of an experience trying to get Mac to play. Well I played some hyper light drifter. Oh, that's right, yeah. Which is a fun game.
1: Uh played it before on PS4 and I'm playing the remaster on the Switch, and everyone loves hearing
0: me talk about this. Probably the one the one game that's maybe closest related to Radiohead, and maybe it's <laughs> soundtrack.
1: I mean it has a score by like a musical artist. So I guess, well, but it's like, you know, it's yeah. like
0: a more electronic sounding true. I don't know. true. It's, it's a little bit yeah. more in the vein of that than I would say Little Nightmares was or Diablo yeah. 3. Yeah. Good game.
1: Good games all around. Good games were had. We palled around. We drank some scotch, but also. We saw Tom York Tom in York. concert. We saw him on Saturday. Was it December 1st?
0: Uh, uh, it was. Yeah. Yeah. Ringing, and ringing in the, the holiday season. We saw him in Cleveland. What was the venue where you saw him? Uh, we saw him at Playhouse Square, and specifically in the Key Bank uh, State Theater there, which yeah. was a beautiful spot. Really old, old theater. Um, you know, a lot of this the ornate, uh, decorative stuff you could imagine in one of those old theaters, which was kind of a strange experience to see an artist like Tom York. Yeah. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, we have some business
1: to take care of at the top of the show. Um, we have a message from our recurring sponsor. Uh, I think, Mike, you have the copy they sent you if you want to read this to our crowd.
0: Uh, yes, uh, I'm, I'm pleased to announce, uh, announce that. Uh, as a special treat for our regular podcast listeners, and as a thank you to our longtime sponsor of the podcast, Jewel, we will be celebrating the holidays with a special Jewel Starter Pack giveaway. That we're calling the annual Jewel Tide Carol giveaway. Type Jewel Tide in the comment section of our SoundCloud, followed by your favorite Radiohead album, and be entered to win your own Jewel Starter Pack. You can't miss this opportunity to get hooked on that stanky white cloud of joy and bliss. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the vape. I couldn't get my vape to crackle. <laughs> So wanna... uh, that's, that's also completely <laughs> false. I should probably say that. <laughs> yeah.
1: I think we should still give away a jewel starter pack, though. Uh,
0: OK, if people actually comment in the section and they they leave their address, phone number and social security number in the comment section, then, yeah, we'll give them a jewel starter pack.
1: Yeah, agreed. All so just do that required. So just do that if you want to uh, win that uh, the nicotine electronic stick that we all love to smoke and vaporize our, our uh, glycerin in.
0: Well, I guess maybe can can we given uh, we were just talking about this before the podcast for for those jewel smokers out there, uh, the latest news in jewel uh, which is kind of relevant maybe this happened over the weekend while we were yeah. at this concert is that mango will no longer be sold along with a number of other flares including cucumber and whatever <laughs> yeah this is our our tribute to the
1: mango jewel pod flavor. Uh, we had it before. This is the first episode we've recorded post Mango, I guess you could say, uh, in a world without the Mango Jewel Pod. So, uh, I hope you got your your loved ones some Mango Jewel Pods for Christmas. Hope they're in their stockings, uh, because it might be the probably will be the last time it'll uh, it'll ever exist.
0: You know, I actually I so I'm going to New York this weekend to visit, uh, you know, regular podcast guest Joe Koshar. Uh, and as a gift for him, because in New York City, they were one of the first cities to now no longer sell the jewel or maybe in New York state. I was going to bring him as a gift, a pack of mango jewel pods. But unfortunately, I can't get them anymore. So sorry, Joe. They don't sell jewel pods or the jewel at all in New York. They don't sell the mango in New York.
1: Oh, the mango. OK, I was like, wow, that's a heavy ban. Yeah. <laughs> nah. so got nothing. Well, as always, we're going to um, recount a little bit of the history, the current events in this case, of uh, what happened surrounding this episode's content. So we're just going to do a quick recap of this week's breaking news. This segment's called Breaking News, The
0: Radiohead song. Sound will go there. Also, can we put jingle bells on my, uh, my ad at the beginning? Just like a Shh. jingle bells?
1: Just like so yeah, pick sleigh bells. I'll I'll uh I'll pay 10.99 for a sample of sleigh bells. <laughs> I'll loop sure, it. Sure, you could find some. Anyway, so here's a little some interesting news tidbits that happened this week. Um, first off, the Oscars had trouble finding a host for this year and finally settled on America's sweetheart. Uh, or should I say America's little heart? Kevin Hart is hosting the Oscars this year. Is this his first
0: time? I thought he's done it before.
1: I think this is his first time that I know of. I mean, I that I can remember. But who knows?
0: I mean, he's he's a funny guy. Has he's, he done like the Grammys or something before that? Because I I swear I've seen him host an event like that before. Mm, he definitely, you know, I definitely
1: feel like I've seen him on TV in that kind of context. But I don't know. Maybe he has hosted them before. I don't know. Hmm. Um, but anyway, that's uh, one bit of entertainment news. Um, in political news, uh. Former President George H.W. Bush passed away this last week. Uh, his funeral was held today. And why you got to politicize his funeral?
0: Why is everything got to be political with you?
1: Well, I'm not politicizing his funeral. A lot of, I mean, there are presidents from both aisles, Bill Clinton and and uh, President Obama, Jimmy Carter, uh, and even his son, George W. Bush, were all in the front row. And our uh, our uh, Cheeto-in-Chief President Trump was there.
0: Uh George Bush, famously known for murdering three teens in the back of his van,
1: murdered two, three teens in the back of his van. A lot, a lot of the, I guess, politicization around that's probably not the right word, but around his death is it was. It's you know, from he's a president from an era where Republicans and Democrats could, uh, could could um perhaps if they did not agree, um, engage in a discourse and a conversation and and solve problems.
0: Could could we uh, make a Radiohead reference here and say? Meet in the aisle, they could be meeting
1: in the aisle, could be meeting in the of, aisle of Congress. Um, and George H.W. Bush, it came out, uh, he died while he was tending the hogs in the back of his farm, and he choked to death when he attempted to taste the gruel that he had poured into their trough, as he was wont to do. <laughs> so, rest in peace, George H.W. Bush, a, a great man, and a great farmer, and a great president. Bad way to go, though bad way to go but you know hey someone's got to feed those hogs someone's got to uh, got to taste test that slop you can't always choose how you go well i, g- I guess you can but <laughs> it's not advised yeah. and you know like like I H- george hw bush sometimes your lifestyle just catches up with you sometimes you you take you know just a tablespoon of slop too much and it gets caught in your throat and you pass out in your own uh hog vomit you know the hogs nibbling at your Flesh from your dead carcass, and the hogs and, you know, were owned by the teens. The hogs were owned by the teens. It's not gonna all. Can you believe those teens? <gasps> Gasp. Um, going back to entertainment news, I don't know if you heard about this. I'm actually really excited about this. Did you hear about what the new season of Better Call Saul is going to be? Um, no. <laughs> so the next season of Better Call Saul is going to be. A Breaking Bad prequel series starring
0: Brian Cranston as Walter White. Oh, no way. Yeah. Well, okay. We, we got to hit pause here because pause on your mouth. Uh-huh. Because I have not watched all of season four was the latest one. Three. Um, I've actually
1: only seen the first season of Bitter Call Saul. I liked it, but I just kind of fell off with it.
0: Well, i have every intention of watching that season so if there's any spoilers connected to oh yeah the the announcement of this newest season
1: there's there's a press release on vanity fair um it's going to be called before bad which is kind of a lame title (laughs) um i'm reading change yeah i mean hopefully um so their copy is The prequel series follows Walter White as he works at Bogdan's car wash and focuses on finding the missing deed to his great uncle's mansion. The fallout of which will set him on the path to become the most dangerous meth kingpin in the southeast in an attempt to recover the funds he was supposed to receive from the lost inheritance.
0: I've always wanted to see more about Bogdan and his past, so I'm glad they're exploring that. Yeah,
1: I really hope you realize some made all of that up
0: um well okay so before you said that when you asked me if i had heard about the new season i was about to say i know that some of this is going to be fake and i was about to call you on that before you even said it yeah yeah, i'm glad that i didn't because that's very funny yeah the next season of uh
1: better call Saul does not show walter white trying to find the missing deed to his great uncle's mansion (sighs) see now i feel stupid (laughs) that made me laugh that made me laugh um so in limp biscuit news i know this is not technically what is limp biscuit up to but i, <laughs> I tried to,
0: what happened this weekend yeah i tried to go
1: on, i tried to go on their website i didn't know where else to go to find breaking limp biscuit news maybe they played a show who knows um no information to be found on their website but i did find that if you click the link to follow limp biscuit on instagram uh it says this page does not exist so that's that's <laughs> I guess uh, your guess is what Limp was up to this weekend is as good as mine. We can probably guess they weren't doing anything music related. (laughs) Well, who knows? Hey, Fred Durst, you think he doesn't have music flowing through his veins all the time? He's always got new ideas cooking. I think he's got a
0: couple other things flowing through his veins at all times.
1: (laughs) Boingo! Boingo! (laughs) Boingo! All
0: right. Well, let's talk about
1: what we're here to talk about. The Tommy York concert. So, Mike, going into this concert, I know we talked a little bit about this in person. What what did you expect to get out of the show? Um, what did you think it was going to be like? What did you think he was going to play? Or what did you think the stage was going to be like? Any kind of expectations you might have had?
0: I mean, so my... What I wanted from the show and maybe what I expected were not the same thing. Um, so I always envisioned... Uh, years ago, Tom and Johnny had done solo shows on a very small stage. Uh, I believe around the Hail to the Thief Era, yeah, because they played Sail to the Moon in one of the tracks. Um, and it has always been my dream to see a more intimate, uh, Tom York and you know, maybe one other member. Obviously, Johnny is one of my favorite members of the band, so I had in the back of my mind, this dream that it would be a very intimate setting and that, you know, the music would be kind of stripped down. Um, so even though I knew that probably wasn't what was going to happen, because he's done solo shows in the past and that, that wasn't really what they were. The announcement that it was just going to be Tom and Nigel kind of got me excited for something similar. Um, and even just Tom, you know, just, just, being kind of the front man to himself was I was I was hoping for more of that energy uh and in some ways I I got that I in other ways not so much uh but my my true expectations were a little bit closer to what we ended up seeing Mm. um so I I I don't know I don't know I mean you you've seen Tom York perform in the past with Uh, his amok release, but also before that when he was just doing uh, the eraser. So I'm sure you had a better expectation of what to see.
1: I, I kind of did. So, so my specifically what I'd seen outside of Radiohead before this was I saw, as I mentioned on the podcast, I saw Adams for peace play one time, which was Tom York and Nigel Godrich again. And then they were joined by flea and a couple of other musicians uh, whose names I forget. I should know them. Um, and that it was a lot more like what we ended up experiencing, which I didn't expect. Um, and part of that was because of the venue this was booked in. This was in a pretty proper theater. Mm-hmm. So I was expecting, yeah, a, a, an intimate kind of show, maybe that was very much more like a Tom solo show with mm-hmm. some accompaniment by Nigel. Um Main him you know him, mainly playing you know piano and guitar, I guess is what I had in mind, and singing well, Nigel provided some additional instrumentation, and what we got was a lot different than that, so in Adams for peace, I saw it like a big general admission venue, which I would still argue is a better kind of venue for what this show was that we saw uh, but that being that being said i i I enjoyed it quite a bit, so.
0: Well, so let's talk about uh, the venue because I, I think that the majority of the people who were there had a much better understanding of what music we were about to be seeing than we did. Uh, and I know this because of how they were reacting to a lot of the music, but the venue itself was kind of, it was a strange dichotomy of like, uh, you know, you, you normally go in a venue like that to see more classical music where there's kind of an etiquette for the space where you know you're you're silent throughout the performance hmm. uh but then that was um altered as as soon as you know tom started playing music and it's more of this upbeat stuff and i think it was kind of confusing for me and in, i mean i mean even when i'm at a concert like that like i, I like to be a little bit more quiet and listen to music but obviously you know it's like more upbeat music so people were getting down with it but man i had a problem with this crowd yeah it was
1: a loud crowd. We were pretty near the back, so I don't know if that's had something to do with it. We were in the balcony, uh, maybe halfway, a little more than halfway to the front of the balcony. And there was a lot of chatter.
0: Oh, yeah. And uh, it was, a lot of drinking. It was like, like, chatter, I, I think it's just the space. It was just, like, amplifying everybody around us. And it's it wasn't like the whole show was like bombastic DJ music there were some lower moments on this thing and I think it was just like being able to roll back like you know like this is obviously music that has a lot more dynamics so there's moments where you know you can talk but then I mean really just enjoy what's going on yeah Uh, it was like chatter and then met with like shushes that were like even louder that then just caused like more noise during some of these moments Well, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure at one point, like a big group of people got
1: shushed and then they started shushing each other really loudly as a joke for like Mm -hmm. 30 seconds. And that's when I almost got really mad.
0: Well, so I don't know if it was like the just the sound of the space that I was just hearing more people than usual or if it was just that, you know, people didn't understand like that. I don't know, maybe like it's Tom doing solo stuff. I, I mean obviously we put a lot of weight on this and there's people there that were kind of just going out to have a good show and you know, I I don't really necessarily fault people for being loud and raucous, you know, because it's it's a good time to, you know, unwind a little bit. But yeah, when you're like crammed together in those seats and we were crammed, uh it's just like I just felt like it was a nuisance the whole yeah. way through. It totally was, and and even like like I said,
1: the Adams for Peace show I was at at a big general admission venue that would have been fine, people talking, but it it was like a little not a little theater, but like a nice theater, and like people were just having conversations. Anyway, this might sound pretentious, whatever. It got on my nerves, uh, yeah. and also I think I told you when this happened, but at one point near the end of the show, there were some people behind us talking pretty loudly, and I just heard this guy <laughs> yell. It's Tom York. Show some respect. (laughs) And then they stopped talking, which was very funny to me. They they need a little reminder. Oh, oh, oops. Um, So let's see. We go, we get to this show. We'll go back to the beginning a little bit here. We got some uh, Great Lakes Christmas Ale, uh, Cleveland beer. Uh, It's really good. I think we each got one of those and we each got a glass of scotch.
0: Oh, you know, that would have been a better one to drink today, but you know what? I, I had the scotch sign around. I guess we should talk about what we're drinking.
1: Yeah. Yeah, we we did a drink pairing for this, and it was partly based on our experience this weekend.
0: Uh so each of us is
1: drinking some scotch, which was our drink of choice this weekend. Um I'm drinking and that's it. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm drinking uh Glenn Scotch. Uh but Mike, I believe you're drinking from the very bottle of doers scotch that we uh had this weekend,
0: right? Oh yeah, these are eternally paired with this concert now. Mm-hmm. Doers and the Tom York no, Tom York show. I've had a little too much doers.
1: <laughs> so so the very beginning of the show, we get there we get our beers, we sit down. The opener, uh his name's Oliver Coates. Um he was primarily a cellist. He had some electronic elements, samples and, and loops and stuff like that going on as well. Um what did you think about Oliver Coates, Mike?
0: I, I liked it. I thought I'll, I'll start. Uh, I don't necessarily have bad things to say, but maybe some like criticisms of it, but I'll start by saying that I think it was an excellent pairing for Tom York um, yeah. for one, because as far as I've read, he's been a long term or a long time collaborator with Radiohead, providing strings in a number of albums and solo projects. Um, uh, I mean, wonderful cellist um, it, the the whole time he he was primarily standing and performing so he had his peg sticking out uh, actually I talked to my sister about this I guess the reason why that peg comes out so far is in case you're teaching and you need to stand and model it which is maybe I, I did, not on all cellos but I, I thought that was a little interesting mm-hmm. so he was standing and uh, you know there's obviously a lot of electronic elements to it uh, what I was most Excited for, though, was just like the idea of hearing a cello for one in that space, but also uh, as kind of like out of its original setting. Uh, and I got to say, I, th- I think it was pretty cool, but I-, I think the cello parts were a little unimaginative, like there were some really awesome playing very, I mean, spot on playing. Obviously, he's like world renowned. So he's an insane cello player, uh, but I, I felt like there wasn't really much direction to his playing at parts, and it was more focused on the electronics behind it. Yeah, which was also kind of like eh. There's there's distortion and delay on a cello, which is cool, and then he had some background beats.
1: Yeah, it, it didn't blow my mind or anything, but it it was like more focused on like what can I like make a cello sound like or how can i implement electronic instrumentation to a cello more so than watching like a great cellist uh Mm -hmm. it was it was like fun to watch it was entertaining we weren't close enough to be able to tell a lot of what he was doing which always makes shows a little more interesting for me when i can see exactly like the physical process especially when a musician's up there playing multiple instruments and uh using multiple tools but it, it was a good opener that i thought set the stage pretty well it was it was uh just like a slightly experimental music that still like the average person could enjoy i think
0: mac you you cut out there sorry could you say that again
1: i said it was i think it was a pretty good opener it was it was music that was a little experimental but but something that most people would sit down and enjoy and and yeah. be able to watch and enjoy
0: well and then the thing with that too i i think for a lot of people in the audience you know getting to see a cello in a different setting is uh it's a pretty it's a cool experience but also i think it's yeah. a good experience to yeah. like bring some of those instruments that are typically thought of as you know classical instruments and you know we we kind of we we put them in a box but re- like there's they're just they're instruments that you can do whatever you want with and i think he he really tried and probably is most of his mission statement he's trying to show what else you can do with it and then there were parts where it sounded like a shreddy guitar but on a cello mm, which is yeah cool.
1: yeah it, it was it was cool um so oliver coates
0: plays we both oh, go uh, out well i gotta say his exit was <laughs> actually i, I awesome <laughs> so he talks and then he does his last track and he even says like uh, i'm gonna melt your face with some cello and there's it looked like there was some like gyroscopic thing in his cello yeah. at the end there where he was moving it around and he was creating different effects based on the way he was holding it. Mm. I couldn't really tell. Uh, but then at the end, he kind of just like let it ride for a little bit and then just walks off stage like kind of like cleans up. Oh, oh <laughs> you even noticed this. He like <laughs> the one thing that he went back for on stage was his shoes <laughs> and yeah. then he just
1: left. <laughs> that was great. Yeah. Also, I just want to clarify what he said. I'm going to melt your faces. He was being tongue in cheek. He was not no, that no, kind yeah. of. He was not a douchebag. He was like, no, no. To, no. Uh, I'm going to close out by uh, trying to melt your face with some cello <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or something no. like that. It was pretty funny.
0: I mean, it was it was like it could have been considered face melting. It was a lot of like really <laughs> dense, like just square wavy. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, like almost like shoegazy type stuff that he was doing with it at the end there. Yeah. So. I could, I could I could
1: definitely I could definitely see him as like cuz I I was reading on his website he collaborated with like you know obviously Radiohead and Johnny Greenwood and uh Mika Levi I think is her name from Mika Chew and the Shapes and then mm-hmm. like it said he'd played with like Terry Riley and Steve Reich too and stuff so I can definitely see Reich. how he's like Reich Steve Reich he, uh, he intentionally
0: changed his last name to not sound like the third Reich
1: ah oh, okay good to know well, I could definitely see Oliver Coates being like a tool in the in like a greater work of music more so than a solo artist, and and being a really great contribution in that way. Um, but it was still a, a fun show to watch. It was good.
0: Yeah. Uh, pretty pretty good length of intermission. Glad there was a good intermission there because mm. uh, lines were long for drinks.
1: Yeah. So we both got some scotch, some doers again. Funny enough, we bought we bought a bottle of doers for the week, and then bought doers at the show,
0: man. So I think the whole bottle of doers was what, like twenty bucks, mm-hmm. and those two small glasses of doers were around eighteen dollars. Hey, I'm not so surprised. They'll definitely uh, they'll get you on drinks, yeah. so which is fine. I I support the venue. Yeah, it's okay. It's, it's a it. good time. Yeah, sure. So we get our drinks. We get back up to
1: our seats. Tom York begins. Um, so. Tom York's stage setup, I think we've alluded to this a little bit perhaps, was not what either of us expected. Um, There were three people on stage. One of them was Tariq Bari. I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of that, um, who was solely providing visuals. So he was just doing the the background visuals. So really, it was just Tom and uh, Nigel Godrich. And I would characterize the way most of the set worked was it was basically Nigel Godrich DJing was most of the music Mm -hmm. and Tom would sing over it and uh, sometimes play guitar or piano along with it as well. But most of the music was coming from Nigel's DJ equipment, basically. Um, From what I could gather. Yeah. From Uh, what I could gather. Yeah.
0: I think we should put a disclaimer in this video. If you're, if you're somebody out there who would rather see all of this in a video or either is planning to see them in concert, this maybe is not the episode for you because I think we're going to go pretty in depth. Yeah. Um, like I was even thinking of the the stage display, talking about that a little bit, which is pretty basic. Um, but just want to give that disclaimer. we're mm-hmm. We're going to talk about this. So if you don't want to hear about it first before you end up seeing it, definitely don't listen to this podcast. Yeah, I would encourage you to go see it, though. I'll just say that. This is one of those rare occasions where what we're talking about could still be seen. Yeah.
1: So you want to walk through... I have the set list here. You want me to walk through... Do you want to play the game we talked about or just walk
0: through the set list? Yeah, yeah let's, let's play this game because okay. <laughs> uh, I think I'm going to do horribly on this. And I, I think right. that's, uh, that's always a good, it's a good podcast when I look like an idiot. Yeah. So Tom York played... He played a total of 19
1: songs. So I'm going to go through some of these and you tell me if this is what from all, what is it from? Is it from you? Tell me the game. So I should
0: say tomorrow's modern boxes is uh, an album that I've, I listened to a couple times through when it first came out, uh, but really haven't touched in years. Um, And I I was really hoping for a lot of eraser on this, which, you know, I, I got, Um, but there were some songs on there that were hard to recognize either because they were, new which was an exciting thing uh or because they were off of tomorrow's modern boxes and i certainly don't remember the name of anything off of tomorrow's modern boxes and i definitely don't know the names of the new ones so uh why don't you hit me with some of those track names and i'll see if i can place them cool so he opened
1: up with the song interference what's it from
0: uh that's got to be modern boxes
1: you're right about that yeah he he wouldn't open with a new one yeah invisible knots was the third song he played?
0: Uh, because the second one was from Eraser.
1: Second, I, Well, there's just 19 songs, so I don't want to go through all of them this way.
0: Oh, okay, gotcha. Invisible, uh, imposs-
1: impossible knots.
0: Impossible knots. Uh, also, are you making up any of these titles? Are you gonna throw me off by just? <laughs> no, 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 because no. then I'll look like a real jackass.
1: <laughs> impossible
0: knots. Terrible <laughs> twist. Um. I'm gonna say that is a Modern Boxes track.
1: That's an unreleased track that he played. Uh. <laughs> third, third song he played.
0: What, what's the what's the ratio here? He pl- he played five new tracks. So to... I will I will
1: break down from least to most what albums things came off of. So he played one song from the new Suspiria soundtrack. He played two songs that he wrote for the fashion line Rag and Bone
0: that he provided for their fashion shows. Are these are these also paired with this game right now? Those two? Uh Yeah. OK, <laughs> I guess. So I guess. So is that more in the that's that got be that They're go also in the they're
1: tech. They're technically unreleased, but you can literally yeah, hear okay. them on YouTube and stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah that is. Um,
1: he played four songs from Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. He played four songs from The Eraser. And then he played five unreleased songs.
0: Okay, so that's that's a good spread. That yeah. that gives me a ch- a, so, uh, a chance.
1: So he basically played seven unreleased songs here, and then nine released songs. So almost half of this is stuff that has never been officially released,
0: which we'll talk about later. Our, our opinions on that, but yeah. yeah, let's keep the game going.
1: So I'm just gonna skip around here because it's gonna take forever to do all of them. So nose grows some.
0: Dude, <laughs> you made that one up. <laughs>
1: That's from tomorrow's Modern Boxes. <laughs> <You're right.
0: laughs> Wait, didn't you give me a chance? I was going to at least guess one.
1: All right. All right. Wait, so I,
0: I'm one. I'm one for two right now.
1: I'm not counting. Uh, who knows?
0: Oh, I'm counting.
1: Right, people at home right. are counting. So all, right, all right. All right.
0: All right. I am a very rude person. That is new. Mm hmm. So I'm, so I'm two for two now. Yeah. OK. Uh, two feet off the ground two feet off the ground two for two um there's a connection there well two for two i'm now familiar with um i now know that that's my number two feet off the ground um but that's unfamiliar because i can't fly so i'm gonna say that goes in the unfamiliar category it is an unreleased song and i know that for sure
1: yeah that's one of the songs he did for the rag and bone fashion show yes three for two (laughs) Um, not the news not the news that is a modern boxes track it's an unreleased song oh, god damn it
0: truth, truth ray I'm trying to just like breeze my way through this and I'm just hoping that I've had enough alcohol that I have magic powers at this point mm. magic foresight which is always a real thing mm-hmm. so I'm three for three alright keep them coming truth ray Oh, I know that's Modern Boxes. That's the one that I do remember.
1: Modern Boxes, correct? Yeah. Traffic.
0: That sounds like a Modern Boxes track. Unreleased. No. <laughs> Wait, anyway, I gotta get some jewel power here.
1: And I'm skipping some that I know you would know, because like I'm skipping the Eraser songs, I'm skipping the Adams for Peace songs. Um, right. No, I'd yeah, yeah. Um, Twist
0: that is oh i feel like i i have a memory of this but i can't remember if it's because i saw it on modern boxes or because it's one of the tracks that you talked about when you looked up the list when we were driving home of oh yeah he played this new song twist i think that's a new one it's
1: i'm gonna give it to you it's unreleased it's what it's another one that he did for the rag and bone fashion right
0: well that's that's what i'm because i haven't heard any of that stuff yeah
1: um actually i was listening to that on youtube before uh we recorded i think he put it out in 2012 that song's fucking awesome you should listen to it it's really good um i i have and i don't remember it (laughs) so this is um we're getting into the encore now this is gonna be the last
0: one um the axe uh modern boxes the axe
1: is unreleased
0: motherfucker
1: what is my score now five five you're the one keeping track not me oh i I lost count (laughs) uh you lose uh i have to find a new host for the podcast next week sorry i lose i died. (laughs) if you got the score you are out of (sighs) here
0: i thought i thought it was it all right whatever (laughs) all
1: right all right all right (laughs) so i think the best way to do this might be to just talk through the set list here that I have and kind of talk about what were our, our highlights and favorite parts and stuff, which, which
0: I obviously don't know that well.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh, me either. So so one of the things I was most surprised about this show was, again, he played seven unreleased songs. It surprised me how little of the music I knew that he played. So well, the very go ahead. Go ahead.
0: I, well, I was gonna say, let, let's talk about that, though, because I, I one of the things that I was most excited for, as I said earlier, was. And this is like kind of my own ignorance and and just like wanting it to be my way. But I was just like really hoping for a lot of the eraser, which like, you know, we we got a lot of the eraser. Yeah. And I, I guess like it didn't really click for me that this is the Tomorrow's Modern Boxes tour until we literally looked at the uh, sign in the lobby of the building where it said Tom York Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. And that was the first time where I was like, yeah, I guess he's touring this album for the first time. So it would make sense that there's more of that music on there. Mm. Um, Only four uh, songs from it. He only played four songs from that album. Well, which is, in my opinion, because I didn't know them, it's like they kind of blurred together with the other ones. But Mm -hmm. so that's like that's kind of just like my own ignorance about this one, which kind of sucks. Um, but I, I'll, I'll give my, I, I want to pause on that thought for a moment because I, I think at the end I'll give my opinion on the full performance Yeah, and d- despite, you know, not really knowing these tracks, I, I have an opinion on them as like more of a broader opinion. So yeah. we'll, we'll talk about that later, but definitely I was, I, I was wanting more Eraser.
1: Yeah. I mean, you obviously want to hear songs, you know, and like, and, uh, I, I won't get into it now either because I also have, we probably have similar opinions on this. Um, I would say if you're playing seven songs that no one in the audience knows in your set, Maybe maybe a little too much. But.
0: Well, okay, okay, but that's I don't know that that's fair to say. I th- I think there were probably more diehard Tom York fans in the audience than we were who love Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. So I I can't even say like again though he only played four songs from that. He played seven
1: yep. unreleased songs.
0: But if you're somebody listening to Tomorrow's Boxes, chances are you've listened to the Eraser as well too. So what they got was like eight or so tracks that they really loved off of that set list. Cause they, they like both of the albums and we just happened to like one of the two. Well, I like
1: Amok too, which you also played stuff from, uh, um, which, yeah, which is another, and I like Suspiria. Cool. Yeah. Um, again though, that's, that's nine released songs to seven unreleased songs. That's if there was one song different, it would have been half songs unreleased. I don't know. Okay. Let, we'll, let's, we'll let's, into, let's touch this later. We'll because I, I this have later, an opinion yeah. on that. Sure. Okay. So, i'm i'm in a similar way as you mike i'm a huge fan of the eraser i'm i'm pretty familiar with the adams for peace album i'll listen to that a, a good bit and then the new suspiria music i've been listening to um but tomorrow's modern boxes i listened to it a few times when it came out and then i listened to it once in preparation for the show and i just don't know that music that well um mm-hmm. so i didn't i recognized a couple of them but uh the tomorrow's modern boxes songs i also didn't recognize so he opened up with interference which is on tomorrow's modern boxes and that one i recognized and then he did a brain in the bottle tomorrow's modern boxes and then he did impossible knots which is unreleased so the first three tracks i'm enjoying this i'm enjoying it i'm seeing tom york and he's great but i don't know either any three of these tracks other than i recognize Mm. the first one um Track four, he played Black Swan from The Eraser. What will grow crooked? You can't make straight. It's the price that you've gotta pay.
0: Um, and I thought, could you could you also say that's when you got into
1: (laughs) the show? (laughs) It's when I started getting into the show. I, I was already I was already into it, just like the freshness of seeing Tommy work with the first time I was enjoying it. I was, I was really enjoying it um, even up to this point, but this was the first song I was excited to hear. And it was, it was a pretty good version of it. It, it, it wasn't the best song of the night, but it was, it was, I liked this song quite a bit and he played bass on it, which was interesting. Uh, mm. Yeah, it, it was, it was a solid little performance of a black Swan.
0: Yeah. I think uh, I'm noticing, I think we also glossed over a little bit of, Uh, We we talked a little bit about the setup of the stage, but uh, what was really interesting was that there was really like four different stations and three people on stage. Hmm. And the one, the the guy doing visuals was pretty much at his station. Nigel was at his station primarily, I would say maybe 85% of the time he was at his one little station doing a lot of uh, the um, DJing slash, you know, on the fly, electronics uh would pick up an instrument every once in a while uh i don't know who designed the stage this way but tom so (laughs) tom had two stations uh one of them was pretty much just an electric piano from what I could gather I I don't know exactly what it was they had this aesthetic where it was like a white stand for each of them but the the piano was kind of built into this white stand so you couldn't really figure out what it was but then he would move like diagonally along this uh, trapezoid is that what you'd call the shape yeah I think it was
1: trapezoid yeah uh
0: and for some reason He instead of having his two stations next to each other, he had to go by Nigel's station all the way across the stage to the other one at the top of the trapezoid Mm. in the other corner, which maybe was just to give him some middle stage time as he was crossing through there. Yeah. Uh, So it was kind of like, hey, look at me type thing, which is which is cool. Like I I thought it was interesting to watch, uh, but he would like pop over there for like a couple seconds and then come out and do something in the center stage, maybe pop over to the electric keyboard uh most of his setup i think was in the back um so he was doing some electronics which i couldn't discern from nigel's stuff but i i I don't put it past him that he was actually doing a lot of stuff back there but yeah it was just kind of hard to tell Um, yeah i
1: i think i think it was set up that way so tom would have plenty of center stage time and and maybe so if he was singing at center stage he could go and do whatever he wanted um without having to like stay on the side the whole time i don't know Mm -hmm. Um, and and, and would, I'm not
0: faulting him for that. He should be yeah. center stage. It's just perfect. Yeah. It's just it's just interesting that he he put form over function in that regard because <laughs> he did a and, lot of moving
1: around. Yeah, he did. And Tom was Tom was grooving too. Tom was was putting on some moves here, as he's famous for. But mm-hmm.
0: he, he was pretty lively. It was good. Yeah. Sorry. So back back to Black Swan. Yeah. Black Swan. What do you think about Black Swan? Uh, I mean, th- to be honest, that's. Uh, and again it goes back to what i was saying before like when i heard a track that i recognized and have been listening to for many many years it it's like what brought me and it's not to say that the beginning of the show wasn't good because it definitely was and i mean first of all production on this thing was amazing like some of the best sound i've heard from a performance like this in a long time so it was definitely it was good to see but like memories started coming back when he played black Swan. Mm. And that to me was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is why I'm seeing Tom York because this is the experience that I was hoping to get. Yeah. And it was, it was in that moment when I, and this is like kind of cheesy to say, cause like, you know, you, you see live performers and it's always this experience, but it was when he started playing black Swan that it hit me. Like that's Tom York down there. Like that's this guy that I've been idealizing for years and years uh, and before that, it just kind of felt it, and just it, in it, because of me and my ignorance to listening to some of the other albums, that was the moment where it really felt like, man, my hero's down there on stage and nostalgia just came rushing back. So mm-hmm. and it's it. I don't think that it takes that to have a good performance. But for me, when that was like where I was thinking, this is what I wanted out of it, you know, that that Tom and Johnny performing an intimate thing. And even though the song itself wasn't intimate, it it made me feel that way because it, it was a reminder of the songs that I loved. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I, I definitely was hoping we'd, we'd even get more from, from there. And I, I'm not going to say that was the highest point of me being into the show. Cause that's not true, but that, but that oh, I'm not saying
0: that either. That's yeah. just the first part.
1: Yeah. So following black Swan, we have three more that I don't think either of us knew. Um, he played "I Am a Very Rude Person" unreleased, and then he played "Pink Section" and "Nose Grows Some" both from Tomorrow's Modern Boxes. My alarm is going off. Hold on. Um, sorry, that was that's, Brian. That's the Eno. shot
0: alarm. We gotta take
1: shots. Um, let's see. No, what was I? Pink Section, Nose Grows Some. So three more songs I didn't really know. I was still enjoying it pretty well. Then he plays "Symbol Rush" from The Eraser. Mm. And I think this was arguably the best song of the night. Symbol uh, Rush was fucking awesome to hear. It reminded me a lot of the way they do Idiotech Live, where it's the song is kind of based off of this really interesting beat, um but then live they just like crank it even further and build up the dynamics even higher and higher and like when you think it's like when you at least expect it it just like breaks out into like this huge awesome groove yeah
0: mm-hmm. yeah, towards like the it was like after when the song normally ends yeah yeah uh yeah that's even the moment i remember they had gotten I think towards the end of the song and I even turned to you and I was like, dude, I'm, I have tears in my eyes right now. Like mm-hmm. this is, <sighs> I mean, not just cause I love that track so much, but because the, the track itself is just like, just gorgeous. And I, I mean, the, the performance they did of it was different than how they've done it live in the past, but also, you know, varied slightly from the recording, but the, the parts that i loved about it were still there those like those haunting harmonies at the end uh the very ominous opening to it this kind of like otherworldly texture that's created throughout uh and this is going to harken to what i'm going to talk about in the end but there's something about that track and others like it that just have a musical quality that stands out for a reason and it, it's just such a well-designed track and well-designed for that performance yeah coupled with the nostalgia that I have for it it was a, an emotional experience and, and again it was it was seeing Tom sitting down at the piano too that was like that's the guy that's the guy I have been loving for years and to see him play that instrument just really brought me back
1: yeah And I'll also say about this song. So when I saw Adams for peace, they played this too and they played it with a full band and it was awesome. But as we talked about on our eraser episode, this is a song that on the album really is like a song made around the production and the sounds in it. And Mm -hmm. uh, I think it worked better seeing it just with Tom and Nigel do it. Tom playing the piano and singing and Nigel doing the production elements.
0: Let's talk about that, too, because I mean, we have I I feel bad that we've barely even touched the fact that Nigel is performing with Tom on this, which is not a small thing to see. I mean, Nigel, as we've talked about throughout this entire podcast, has been basically the sixth Radiohead member. Mm-hmm. And to see him perform on stage is kind of a cool thing because he's, he's mostly heard on the production side. And I think even more in the in Rainbows and King of Limbs albums, we start to talk about how he it seems like he's taking more of an artistic designer role as far as not only just the production, but the music goes. So to see him up on stage acting as a musician, doing a little bit of the production as well, is a really cool experience. He's kind of been this background character coming to the forefront. Yeah, he's totally good. But but to me, that's like, along with what you were saying, the production of Symbol Rush, for the album is perfect cause they're paired so well. Tom York's writing paired with Nigel's production. Those are the only two people that could pull that off on stage. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really cool to see it that way.
1: Yeah, Nigel was, I, I maybe um, diminished what he was doing when I said he was just doing a DJ set. He, he really like, I mean, he made what he does in the studio happen on stage in a pretty straightforward translation and it was great it was, it was and, well amazing. and and
0: i it's we keep calling it a dj set but maybe that that's a little bit of our ignorance as far as how electronics work and exactly what they were doing on stage it looked like he was very hands on the whole time so yeah. it wasn't like he was just clicking and play and letting it ride for a little bit changing the tunes up uh so there was a lot of activity going on from his end that i unfortunately just don't know how to explain mm.
1: yeah i'm i'm not the most literate when it comes to that kind of music either um i have to go check on something i have in the oven which is why my alarm went off so give me like two, <laughs> give me like two minutes i'll be back
0: well, well well tell me tell me about the what's the next track coming up because i don't have the set list in front of me <laughs> after symbol rushes the clock
1: but uh we'll talk about that when i get
0: back give me two minutes well i was gonna say i can talk about that for a little bit
1: <laughs> i want to talk about it too give me a second
0: all right, all right all right fine you better edit this out then edit edit about 10 seconds before this 15 seconds Uh, Mac's a pussy. Mac is the reason why you have to donate blood to make extra money. Did you know that? He's the reason why you're paid such an insignificant amount for the amount of work that you put in at your job that you have to donate blood and plasma on a regular basis. Mac's the reason why. All right, I'm back. You there? Yeah, it's fine. I didn't say anything sure you can, you can obviously see it <laughs> go back and listen to that later <laughs> i will okay
1: all right okay uh, i'll come back in so and then right after symbol rush he went into another track from the eraser the clock uh the clock was also really really great live
0: So one of my favorite performances of this track, again, more of that intimate setting was Tom York did a set, which is probably a pretty famous performance from the Henry Rollins show, where it's just acoustic guitar on this track. And I think I talked about that a little bit on the Eraser podcast that we did. But I've always loved that setting of it. And this performance took more influence from obviously the the album version, which was cool. But I still felt it had an energy with, you know, the very dynamics and, you know, seeing a little bit more movement on stage of his Henry Rollins performance with just solo acoustic guitar. So it was kind of like an awesome mesh of those two performances. Mm. And I loved it. I, I thought it was perfect for this performance.
1: Yeah. So this was definitely the time where I was like all in like this show is so good. Like after like i had been enjoying it because obviously it's it, it was one of my heroes on stage, but not knowing that many songs. And then just two back to back, like great performances of songs I really like. So I thought I was going to be all in for the show from that point. And I was kind of mistaken for me, myself personally.
0: Well, okay. so before you get on that, though, because I want to talk about this a little bit, that's that's actually the first moment in the whole performance um, to give to give the visuals some credit where I thought that uh, whatever his name is. Sorry, I'll never remember it. I don't know if he's a long term, long time collaborator or whoever he is. He did a great job throughout the entire show. But when the clock came on, it really fit that track well. And I loved the whole performance together. Uh, but not to mention that, I don't think we've said this yet, each of these tracks, which was what I was hoping for, uh, kind of transitioned into each other. Yeah. So going from "Symbol Rush into the clock was especially awesome because you would get like a teaser of the rhythm to come or something. There would be something that would transition through. So it was kind of like this hype building uh sound that would carry you into the next track mm. and I I really like that about the entire performance but there was some that really stuck out and I remember hearing that either going into symbol rush or coming out of symbol rush I, I I think it was going into the clock but you you got like those first chords and then a little, little like boom 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 yeah uh yeah so th- I, I thought that was all really well done and the visuals too just really enhanced some of those moments
1: yeah and, and again like, Using saying what Nigel is doing was DJing, I think is accurate, and that's not a detriment because again, he was like mixing those songs together. Like the music rarely fully stopped. Uh, it it really did just have like amazing transitions. He he knew exactly what he was doing, and that. Well, here's something
0: else I think he was doing. I think he was in charge of Tom's vocal loops as well. This is something I noticed. Hmm. Um. I can't remember what track I noticed it on. Maybe it, maybe it was the clock or something like that. Uh, so Tom's up there, he's not working with anything. He's center stage and you start to hear his vocals looping and I think that Nigel was in charge of that. And there was even times where Nigel was doing something else, but Tom was still still needed some vocal effects or something. So Tom would go over to his station and they would trains up trade off. So I think he was like triggering loops or something in oh, there from what I could guess. I didn't so he was that. actively working with Tom sound as much as he was doing the background. That's really cool. Well,
1: okay. So after the clock, the rest of the main set consisted of six songs. I didn't know. And part of that is me not knowing two of them that were released. Four of them were unreleased songs. Um, After the Clock, he did Two Feet Off the Ground, which he did for Rag & Bone, Amok from Adams for Peace, the first song he'd done from that album, Uh, Not the News, unreleased track, Truth Ray from Tomorrow's Modern Boxes, Traffic, which is unreleased, and Twist, which is from Rag & Bone, which, as I said, listening in hindsight, I think I said this to you, that song I think is really good, Uh, but I did not know any of these six songs. I had heard Truth Ray and Amok before, but... Uh, didn't find them memorable for whatever reason and didn't know them. Um, mm-hmm. so I did, I was kind of, uh, ready by the end, I guess, which sounds, that makes it sound like I didn't enjoy this show, which I really did. But after, after that huge, great moment to me for myself personally, Symbol Rush and the Clock, just followed by six songs I didn't know was, it was a little bit of a letdown. Uh, and I, it was still like like fun enough, but but I was kind of by by the end of the main set, like oh, I, that was about the time it should end to me. Uh, what yeah. I don't, how did you feel after the clock and, and the remaining songs?
0: Uh, I do remember that I noticed the audience much more in that moment, which is not a good thing to say about the performance. And I I really I. I'm not going to go into in depth with this again because I, I have a good point I think to make at the end of this podcast when we kind of wrap up. But I feel a little uh, disappointed in myself for not knowing some of these a little bit more going into it. Um, but I ha- I have a reason and a motive for why I don't. But I, I kind of agree. I these the tracks just. I don't know that it was just because I didn't know them. They just weren't grabbing me. There there wasn't, it, it felt like, and we we even said this to each other. It felt like it was a dance set, which is, I think, fine. I, I think it's, it, maybe it wasn't the right venue for that. I mean, obviously not the right venue for that. But it felt like there were parts of this that were just meant to kind of intentionally go over your head a little bit, which I I don't know is Tom's intention but really just create more of a primal feeling where you want to get up and dance which could be said about those tracks but again it's not the performance that i was hoping for so i i think i was just not the right audience for it
1: i again one of my big problems with this show or what maybe my biggest problem was this was not the right venue for the show it should have been somewhere you could dance it was all like i i mean i another broken record moment on this podcast. It was like a DJ set and like trippy mm-hmm. club visuals in the background. Like, and we were in like a nice theater with like a crystal chandelier, like sitting in an assigned seat. <laughs> like that was, it was not the venue. It should have been in a venue where you could dance a general. Music. Oh, and
0: not to mention the, uh, the staff running around the entire time, trying to find the guy smoking weed in the back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Maybe like three. No, it was during Oliver Coates. Like just the strongest, oh, yeah. the strongest smell of weed. Yeah. that some idiot tried to fucking smoke in like a nice theater.
0: Well, and this is another dumb thing to say, but this is kind of like I, I think the first thing I said to you after the concert was over. Like I appreciate concert etiquette for like classical music so much more after that because there was just like people getting up from their seats, showing up late. I had to get up at least like seven or eight times for people walking through I had to use the bathroom or get another drink. Well, there's like these. Re- I, I I think it was during Symbol Rush when I was like really into it, and I was like so mad that I had to get up out of my seat and have him walk through again. People standing up in front of me, so I couldn't see anything. So I was moving my head the whole time, and then just again people talking. It, it's like I it it makes you appreciate why there's a more sterile environment for going to see greater, larger orchestral pieces of music because regardless of what it is you should be appreciating what you're hearing and not becoming a distraction for other people and and i think it was just uh, like you said not the right venue for it yeah my my my
1: counterpoint to that is those people should have been able to do those things because it was like a dance set where you could have some drinks and go to the bathroom if you need to and because of this venue of being geared towards like classical music or or like i don't know theater it 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 did not fit the vibe of the show at all
0: no i i agree i don't necessarily blame the people i i I do blame the venue a little bit i i think you can hold your pee for an hour but i understand that maybe people aren't used to doing
1: that yeah yeah exactly so so not not a bad last little leg of of the concert but but one where I, i i certainly was uh like like I said, I, I was kind of ready for it to be over, and and so the the main show ends after twist, and uh, after some applause, they come back out for their first encore. Their first encore is three songs, uh, starting with the axe, which is an unreleased track, and then he plays the song Adams for Peace" from the Eraser uh and that made me feel really good because i love this song mm-hmm. um i've mentioned this on the podcast before but that's just like when i listen to that song it just like the texture of it and the lyrics like i just feel if it's a very warm and comforting song to me if he was like wrapping up in like a big comfy blanket listening to that song so like hearing him sing it live it, it, that 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 was the one that like meant the most to me to hear well other than one more we haven't talked about yet but i i that, that was one that really hit me in my uh, my nostalgia center right there. So I, I really loved hearing Auden's repeats. Want you to get,
0: make it well. well, not to mention Tom's vocal performance has been amazing throughout this entire performance. And, and him as a performer the entire time, Compared to when we saw Radiohead recently, so much energy, definitely getting the impression that he's having a lot of fun with this music. So if if anything, the takeaway from this performance was that Tom York was really loving what he was doing up there and you could you could see it on stage and you could hear it in his voice and definitely in Adams for Peace, that is this kind of jubilant chorus these these high falsetto notes that he's hitting there i mean he he went all out with these performances and it sounds great
1: Mm -hmm, absolutely it it was it did not disappoint and then right from adams for peace he went into the last song of the first encore default from adams for peace um, which was really good that's a song that i liked on the album pretty well but man yeah no he already played a muck uh default
0: what no i know i'm saying oh sorry the album yeah, yeah yeah so if the album was a, a muck yeah
1: yeah some confusion because he has a song and a band with the same title Um yeah. so the song default uh i thought this was also one of the best songs of the night like hearing it live like those big uh uh this like horn kind of tone synths that come up in the chorus i just mm-hmm. thought it sounded great This was one, like, um, we can save some of this for the end, but one of my criticisms of Tomorrow's Modern Boxes especially is that it's just beat-oriented and not quite, like, musical enough in the way that I like it. And Default is an exception to this and was an exception for most of the songs in the show to where, like, it was really groovy and, like, the the music of it was great, too. A- and I was really locked into it.
0: Yeah, I, I've never been, like, I, I like the Amok album, I I like Default as a track. I've never been super attached to it, but seeing it live definitely, and this is kind of proving maybe what I don't want to say, which is that just most of the songs that I liked on this were ones that I knew, but even a track that I didn't like that well off of a muck, I really liked. And Again, not that I didn't like it, but it wasn't like my favorite. It still felt good to hear it because I knew it, uh, but it was a great performance of it like you said I, I think it was actually pretty true to the album version which is cool to see live because again i don't think they were just hitting play there was a lot going on there so it was pretty cool
1: yeah and and i i agree with you this was a uh, this was a track that like when i listened to the adams for peace album i uh i was like this is like a good song but like i would have never really picked it out and now i like like this song a lot after seeing it live it, it mm-hmm. was a really good performance. So that was the end of the first encore. So go, they go out some more applause. And first Ma- of all, Mac thought we
0: Mac thought they were done by the way. I, I they, knew better.
1: I thought he might've been done. So all night long, you might notice an absence of tracks from Susperia, which is an album. He just put out last month, a full album of music. He had not played anything from. So for the second encore, He played one song, the last song of the night. He played Unmade from the Suspiria score. Unmade
0: Unmade I swear that there's nothing
1: And this was, to me, us finally getting what our expectations were, which I know is not a fair way to evaluate any performance or
0: piece of art. You have to, well, evaluate. well, well we, but we got what we wanted, but we, we got what we,
1: we wanted with this track yeah. because he played unmade just him on piano with no effects. Nigel was just watching Nigel from off stage. Tom was the only musician and it was just pure stripped down, intimate Tom and a piano. And it was, so goddamn gorgeous it was a great performance his voice really opened up and filled that room man Mm -hmm. it was it's it's hard for me to say if this or symbol rush was the song of the night because they did completely different things uh but this one really really hit me and if he hadn't ended with something so great i i I maybe would not have enjoyed the show as a whole as much as I did. But but mm-hmm. this performance made me realize how good the high notes of the show were and made me look back fondly and say like, that was a really good experience.
0: So I, I, I'm gonna use this as a platform to transition maybe into our, our, our full thoughts on this performance. Uh, and I will say that I did not know the track Unmade very well. Um, until that performance and the track is just—it's just just gorgeous. I I mean, it's and it's all that it needs is Tom playing piano and singing, and I'm glad that's all we got because the whole show—it's—it's been Tom York the whole time, but it's always you know it's it's shrouded in some other thing but i realized in that moment that the thing that i loved and the thing that i wanted out of this performance was tom sitting down at that piano and hearing what his voice can do without other things going on which is not to say that everything else was bad but that was the emotion that i wanted to have throughout this whole concert um do i think it would have been as impactful if the whole concert was like that no uh, so I I appreciate that this is the way that he ended, and it was truly I think kind of a ballsy way to end that set, considering it was so uh dancey and poppy bombastic to end with a very slow, somber, unfiltered track. Um, and th- yeah, there's some high notes in there. Hearing Tom, and we we've talked about how you know Tom is aging a little bit or whatever, but man, this, this whole concert proved me wrong. The dude knows how to perform and man, did his voice sound great.
1: Yeah. Last. And he really was like, he was in top form all night long. Like he really was, he, he still has, like he still can perform amazingly well.
0: I kept thinking the whole show. I would trip over that guitar cable if I were playing up there (laughs) and I'm half his age. Yeah. Uh, so he like amazing just like jumping around <laughs>
1: like, yeah
0: jumping over cables going back and forth between his two stations man lots of energy the whole time
1: yeah he was shredding on guitar at uh, at some points too oh yeah, yeah yeah it was pretty sick so so we walk out of the keybank state theater having experienced the show we t- we we have a similar conversation to what we've had on this podcast we talk about our, our ups and downs so my 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 entire impression i think part of it is lumped into what i think of tomorrow's modern boxes because this is billed in some places as the tomorrow's modern boxes tour and that album i i I think it's fine i'm not a huge fan of it primarily because of some things i've touched on which is that it's it is just very beat driven uh which is not bad but it's it just doesn't really have the like harmonious musical elements that I I think Tom's capable of and I I think he's going for like a dance kind of thing with the solo material but but there are artists that do that kind of thing better better than he does I think um Mm -hmm. so so I I I think that that's a mini review of tomorrow's modern boxes which my favorite song on that is uh the mother load which he didn't play uh, cause that has song has a good melody, I think. Um, but overall, if, if this had been in a general admission venue, I would have loved the show. I would have been dancing. I would have probably had some more drinks and like, I would have, that would have allowed me to get into these songs I didn't know. And so I, I, I looking back, the performance was strong. The stage show was interesting. The setup was, was interesting. Tom and Nigel both really brought it. And as I said, the high notes in this show were so high. Symbol Rush, The Clock, uh, Default, Unmade. Those songs were so good that it really made me glad I saw this show. Beyond just being a unique you know, experience I might not ever be able to see again. I, I, I came away having having really enjoyed this show. And especially because of those few big moments but but even as a whole it was it was enjoyable maybe refresh yourself on if you're going to some of these shows I would say listen to the songs he did for rag and bone maybe uh definitely listen to tomorrow to tomorrow's modern boxes and if you're in the mood listen to some of these unreleased tracks watch some some live performances so that's that's kind of where I think I am at the end Mike what do you think
0: so I mean I'll preface this by saying I I had a great time i i even after immediately after i had nothing really to be upset about i thought it was a great show it was an awesome experience to get to see probably once in a lifetime experience to see this iteration of tom york um but i i was kind of thinking the same thing i'll i'll treat this as an unofficial uh review of tomorrow's modern boxes and the whole even after the show i kept thinking to myself like Man, like I think I did this to myself. Like the reason why I don't like this performance is, or some of these tracks is because I just don't know them that well. But I in the back of my mind, I, I don't I don't think that's what it is. And I, I should also say that as far as like dancing music goes, like that's that's fun and that's that's fine. Uh I'm not usually the type of guy that's into performances like that, and I definitely wouldn't choose to go see it four months in advance. I, I wouldn't get excited about going to see that, whether or not it's gonna be in a general admission thing and I'm gonna be able to dance around. Uh, cause that's not usually the experience I want to get out of going to see music that I really enjoy. Um so I I had this fear in my mind of you know like I, I think it's just me, like I don't know these that well. But at the end of the day, I think it's that just Tomorrow's Modern Boxes is kind of a boring album musically and there was such a contrast what I between Tomorrow's Modern Boxes and the Eraser stuff that I thought was just based on my nostalgia and based on you know knowing the tracks and knowing what to expect with them but I am i really don't think that's what it is. I Because e- even when we were listening through Tomorrow's Modern Boxes on the way to the venue, you know, there was some stuff that stood out. But man, it's very easily forgettable. And even as our game at the beginning of this with the titles and I, I mean, even if I were just listening to the tracks, it, just the audio from the tracks, I couldn't tell you what was on Tomorrow's Modern Boxes and what was off of his new album, which is maybe just because he has a new direction. Uh, But it's, there there's nothing in any of these tracks or i I won't say any of them most of these tracks that sticks out as there being a key feature to latch onto there's there's nothing that really discerns any of these tracks from another one and definitely hearing them as more of like a dance thing uh it didn't make it any easier to distinguish any of these tracks there there were maybe moments in them where they did cool thing but when it came down to the bare bones of what the track was it was a lot of electronics, a lot of backbeats, and I've said this before, not a whole lot of interesting harmony, uh, you know, a, a very, and there's no, like, angular melodies or interesting melodies to it. It was just kind of wallpapery, which is what dance music should be, absolutely, Uh I just think it it wasn't (laughs) advertised in that way going into this. So a little bit of it is my expectations. A little bit of it is my nostalgia for some of the old music. But I I really think that the majority of the music on this was not as good as some of the stuff that was written before that were the standout moments. So I, I, I walk away from this performance feeling so much gratitude that I was able to see this stuff live. Uh, but the highlights of it, I like, I'll maybe go back and listen to tomorrow's minor boxes. I might listen to the stuff when it's released. That's currently unreleased. Uh, but I have a feeling that it's, it's just not going to do much for me.
1: Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I think both of our, I think a lot of our, our dislikes from the show um, come from our shared sentiment that we don't, love tomorrow's modern boxes and to to extrapolate from that we don't love maybe the direction tom's going with his solo music at this point
0: well, so there's a reason why i didn't listen to tomorrow's modern boxes very much and it's for the sole reason that it was just kind of boring
1: yeah i um i i agree i think it's boring and i mean you're you're saying like you know i feel feel you you had a moment where you felt a little bad you didn't know the songs but I'm not going to spend time listening to songs I don't like to like know them if I don't like I th- them
0: I think it might have improved my enjoyment of this performance I don't think it would have in- improved my enjoyment of the album
1: I I, yeah you, you might be right about that but if, if I wanted to listen to like electronics, electronic dance music that was a little more heady you know I'd listen to Aphex Twin I'd listen to some one tricks point never stuff that has i mean at times a similar vibe to this but the beats are a lot more interesting and eclectic and and there's a lot more musically going on with those artists too and this of course this is all preference i'm sure there's a lot of people who love this music and that's fine but our for our, our personal tastes that's that's where the dislikes come from i think but on a whole good show Good show. Here,
0: here's here's what I will say. Here's the silver lining to tomorrow's boxes, tomorrow's modern boxes, and this performance. When I listened to the album, I didn't get the impression that it was going to be a dancey performance. So they obviously put a lot of effort into making it fit into this this stage show, uh, which is something to be said. So I, I think even if you don't like tomorrow's modern boxes, it there are maybe cool twists in there that they did for this performance that. Are kind of cool, just in the sense that they put an effort to alter things to to fit the environment. It's just unfortunate that what they had to start with wasn't very good. And I, I think that they put a lot of effort into this performance of each of those tracks.
1: I think. Uh, I think when he says tomorrow's modern boxes, he thinks that in the future boxes will be shaped like circles.
0: Well, I I don't know that there's any physical reason why that would make sense except in tom york's world <laughs> well that's a good place to wrap it
1: up thank you again for listening to someone listening in
0: <laughs> i think we have a name for that it's called a sphere
1: <laughs> no the uh, s- circle boxes
0: do do we want to go through the effort to to put tomorrow's modern boxes in our radiohead ranking
1: oh geez yeah, we should because I think after this we probably won't end up doing a tomorrow's modern boxes episode, right? We've we talked. No, about I,
0: I I don't feel any need to. That's yeah. why that's why I that's why I, would, I really wanted to talk.
1: Well, <laughs> that. I feel like we're gonna have the same opinion, but uh, what do you think? It's,
0: it's dead last.
1: I agree. I would put it last. I think it's I like I like more songs on a moon shaped pool than I like on that.
0: Yeah, I and in, in fact I I would go as far as to say that. Uh, I even said something similar on the eraser where it's it it was starting to get out of the realm of Radiohead and I had to try and judge him as a solo artist and not even in that vein where all these Radiohead tracks were judging as like they're kind of in their own echelon. This one for me kind of falls out of that artistry.
1: Yeah, and I'll say for an album that we rank dead last, not a bad worst album for an artist to have. I've heard yeah, much worse it's not bad it doesn't sound bad it's not
0: it's not something to laugh at but
1: it's not very interesting in my opinion
0: yeah maybe if maybe if I had a little bit more scotch maybe maybe
1: if I could we definitely had a lot of scotch that weekend yeah maybe if I could just fucking dance bro I want to move my booty
0: yeah maybe if I could uh... no <laughs> I'm not gonna say that <laughs> and the
1: audience will just have to wonder what Mike What's you'll just have to, to wonder say. what's going through my head <laughs> well as always if you want to write in have us read something have a comment or a question about something we said email us at someone listening in at gmail.com uh also please subscribe on itunes if you like the podcasts uh feel free to rate and review us uh give us those five shiny stars in your review we love to see those shiny stars
0: also, the jewel thing was fake. But if you want to leave us a comment, we would <laughs> love some comments down there. If you either have a you a an opinion on something we've talked about, or you have a uh, revision to something that we've said that you think is not correct, uh, whether it be factual information or you just have an opinion that you think is worth hearing on our podcast, uh, we haven't had the opportunity to do this yet, but we would love to take some time to talk about our listeners own input yeah absolutely you will not be getting a jewel
1: well maybe if you comment enough and are nice enough and you're a number one fan maybe we'll give you a jewel i'm actually uh checking right now if anyone's reviewed our podcast because i've never looked um it looks like a thing to do on the podcast it looks like we have 10,000 five star reviews (laughs) so we're doing pretty good Uh, now we have one five star review as of now. So, uh, and I just did it myself. So, hey, follows. I
0: was going to say we can uh,
1: we can have that person on the podcast, but uh, he's already been on
0: We've already beaten it to that.
1: Oh, all right, Mike, any closing words? Should we should we even bother with plugs at this point? What are we doing with plugs?
0: Uh, well, we'll throw them out there because, uh. We need to make a little money here. I know we've already made a million dollars off this podcast, but we could make a little bit more.
1: Well, as always, uh, if you want to support the podcast, uh, you can buy our music Um, on Bandcamp. My name is For Elise, E-L-Y-S-E, For Elise. Um, All my music is pay what you want, but if you want to support the podcast, uh, throw us some money, so that way you get some of my music and you get to support the podcast.
0: Uh, You can check me out on... Bandcamp slash Slim Magnificent. I can't remember which went first. Does the artist come first and then Bandcamp? Eh, whatever. Look up Slim Magnificent on Bandcamp. I have a number of albums on there. My most recent album, Costume King, 1994, is now a year old, and it's 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 pretty cheap. It's a reasonable price.
1: Yeah. Happy birthday, Costume so King!
0: Throw throw me some bones for for that one. All other albums on there are free. Me and Mac also have a collaborative album called go to therapy that you can find on either of our Bandcamp pages.
1: Yeah, that's a good one. You should listen to that. All right. Well, Mike, if that's it. Then uh I just want to say thank you for listening in.
0: Bye-bye. There's someone listening. In.